1: Welcome back to Inside the Hive. This is Emily Jane Fox. We have another fantastic re-air this week. This week, we are rerunning an interview with Paris Hilton, which I did a little more than a year ago. And it was just a fascinating conversation with someone who, of course, we've all seen and heard and watched for many, many years as she sort of dominated many pop culture conversations for as long as I can remember. Uh, but this is Paris Hilton. Like, I certainly have never seen her or heard her before. She was talking about the way that the media treated women like her in the era when she was really at the peak of her notoriety. Uh, she was talking about the brand that she's building, a, a seemingly endless supply of ambition and what it's like to be a woman at the center of that at this point in her life and her career. It was really fascinating and it made me Uh, think a lot about our assumptions about her, uh, the way that the media talked about her and treated her and her peers, and it just was something that made me think about so much of pop culture and the conversations over the last uh, decade or two. We will be back with all new episodes next week. I'm so excited about the lineup of what is to come in this late summer, early fall. But until then, we leave you with this fantastic interview and we will see you back with a new episode next week. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How is your social battery right now? Is it bursting with energy or drained? How do you recharge it? Have you ever reflected on those questions? Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Hive today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp,
0: H-E-L-P dot slash Hive.
2: I am Emily Jane Fox from Vanity Fair. I'm so excited to be here with our guest for Vanity Fair's Cocktail Hour Live. She needs absolutely no introduction, but I will introduce her anyway. I am here with Paris Hilton, who is an entrepreneur, a DJ, a pop culture icon, a coiner of some of the best phrases, and a true consummate celebrity. Paris, thank you so much for coming by today. Thank
0: you, it's my pleasure.
2: When I think of quarantine, it doesn't totally compute with the life and the person that at least we publicly think of when I think of Paris Hilton. So tell me how you've been doing, what you've been doing, and if you're hanging in there okay.
0: Well, this has been a year like no other um, for everyone around the world, especially with me. I'm so used to traveling. You know, for the past two decades, I've been traveling for 250 days out of the year. So I was never really home. And uh, this past year, I've been home more than I've ever been in my life since I was a little girl. Um, so it's really just been, you know, obviously a really difficult and scary time around the world, but I try to see the silver lining in things, and the silver lining for me is that I really got this time to reflect on my life and just be with my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, and spend time at home with my family and my pets, and have that time just to cook and do art and do normal things. And um, it's just been so refreshing and it's really just completely changed my priorities. It's so nice
2: to hear. And I think that everyone can relate to using this period to reflect on what's important to them. And you've had a couple of very big things happen. You got engaged, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. You had a big birthday. You mentioned cooking in one of the things and I have to bring up hearing you say that Right before quarantine, you put up a viral video of you making your famous lasagna, and it just exploded on the internet. I would say it was like a slightly unconventional way to make lasagna. So I want to know if you have been making more lasagna, if you've branched out into other recipes. Has that been
0: something you've been focusing on? Yes, I've been cooking a lot. It's something that I love to do. And my fiance loves my cooking, so he's been very happy to have me at home.
2: That is the audience that matters. That's, that's that's the audience of one that really counts here. Can you walk me through what a typical day has been like over the last few months?
0: You know, usually I would, you know, it was never a typical day, but now its it's been a lot of the same thing, just doing a lot of Zoom calls. I, I'm really enjoying this whole kind of like Zoom life where I just feel like it's, I've always been someone who loves to optimize my time. And now without having to travel or be in traffic, I can literally do like 20 meetings in a day. So it's really just amazing with technology, what we're able to do now. And I've just have been working so hard. So every day is a different project, Um, doing a lot of my art doing music. I have my recording studio here at the house. So I've been recording music for my new album, as well as I built a podcast studio for my new podcast. So I've been doing a lot of that and, um, yeah, just spending time with my fiance and my pets. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's just all been about working and love.
2: It's such a nice thing to hear. And I think that everyone can really feel like we're being the most efficient versions of ourselves without having to schlep all over town and get on airplanes and all of that stuff. I feel like I've been keeping up with you slightly on social media and and the window that you present to your fans. It's really uh, such a nice thing to be able to see. And I want to ask you, to me, and I think to a lot of people, you were sort of the original
0: influencer. Do you see that? A lot of people say that to me and... I guess they're right. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, before there was social media, before there was even a name for the word influencer. So back then when I was doing all this, people were like, like what is this? This is crazy. So now to see that it's like turned into this whole new genre and like a new job, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. I've always prided myself on being an innovator and ahead of my time. So it does make me proud when I hear people say that.
2: It's also so funny to me, and and you must die, and I want to hear your reaction when I see all of this nostalgia culture coming Mm -hmm. back, all of the trends that you and your friends essentially made, the entire aesthetic, every Mm -hmm. piece of clothing that you popularized is now the thing for Gen Z. Are you just (laughs) going crazy seeing all the low rises and mini Pradas and penny baguettes coming back?
0: I love it. It's, it's just so much fun because, you know, back in the day, I didn't have a stylist. I was just putting all these looks together myself and nobody dressed like me really back then. And now to see just all of these girls just like totally dressing up in the styles and just seeing just like memories flooding back of just everything and then seeing them make memes on their social media accounts where it's like a picture of me and then next to them. And they're like decked out in the exact same thing like all in dior or von dutch or my 21st birthday dress so that's another thing just it just makes me so proud to see that and just makes me smile
2: i want to talk about what it was like for you as a young girl but but before i do i want to talk about the brand of Parasilton. and i wrote this all down because i didn't want to forget anything and i'm i'm sure that i will still forget something but there's a lot here so you have I believe 45 branded stores you have 19 product lines that have made more than four billion dollars in revenue four billion with a B 27 fragrances with more on the the way over the course of 15 years you have a DJ career that as you said keeps you on the road for 250 days a year and reportedly you make a million dollars per gig which is wild you have a podcast that just came out called this is Paris a documentary that as I said, uh, premiered last year by the same name. You have a production company, a two-year deal with Warner Brothers for unscripted programming. That is a lot going on, and it is it is a remarkable slate that spans so many different industries. I heard you say in your documentary that you will not rest until you make a billion dollars. Where are you in the progress towards that goal?
0: Thank you. Um, I just, I love being a businesswoman and success is something that really drives me. And when I was filming that documentary, that was always my goal because I just wasn't happy in my personal life. And I felt that money would bring that happiness to me, but it really doesn't when you think about it. So that's not my focus anymore or my goal. I'm, I'm sure it will happen, but it's not something that I really care about anymore because I'm more interested and care more about the next phase of my life and getting married and having babies. And I just feel like that's really the true meaning of life. So um, I just, I don't know, I'm not really focused on material things like I used to. It's more about growing as a person and being an adult and just just starting the next phase of my life. That's my focus and where my priorities are now.
2: It's so interesting because I actually feel like I had a shift in quarantine that made me feel similarly. I was go, go, go. All I really cared about were professional achievements. And in quarantine, I got engaged. Uh, I'm now almost seven months pregnant. And I think it's sort of taboo for women to talk about their personal ambition as well. It's, it's, it went from women only having personal ambition to then if you wanted to be a, quote unquote, girl boss, and that being the only thing you were allowed to talk about in public. And I think it's so important to hear you talk about the fact that like, it's also OK to have the personal ambition again. I think that that feels like real progress, that you are OK saying, yes, I want to make a billion dollars. And yes, I also care about getting married and having kids. There's, there's something important for young women hearing people want both.
0: Yes, I think it is important. It's it's important to be honest and true, and I'm just so grateful just for doing my documentary because I learned so much about myself, and this was the first time that I was able to open my heart because I was so healed from really speaking about so many traumatic experiences I've went through and learning so much about myself. Like, honestly, before the documentary, I had no idea who I was. I was just so on the go and just constantly traveling, constantly working, everything was just moving so fast that I never had one second to even think about myself or my life or anything because it was all about, you know, the public and being this character and not even being who I really was, um, so it's just an amazing feeling now to have this open heart and be ready for that and to have found my perfect twin flame, soulmate, everything. I just feel like everything in life happens for a reason and timing is everything. And we met together at the perfect time and I'm just so, so happy and excited.
2: talk about some of these experiences and if you don't feel comfortable talking about them we can totally skip over them but but I they struck me so much and as we talk about this empire that you've built it is it's sort of undeniable it spans a number of industries you've made real money and it's lasted for a very long time and yet I oftentimes feel like in in how you're talked about that empire is a footnote or maybe just a slight observation and I wanna talk through that with you. And I guess that the easiest way for me to think about it is to start at the beginning. And the way that you were covered for years was that you were quote unquote famous for being famous. And that's where it stopped. And in reality, and and, and certainly in hindsight, it's very clear that you have been one of the most persistently relevant people of the last generation. And I, I wonder from you, what do you think people missed about you and why you think you have endured in the in the public eye for so long and in such a successful way?
0: Yeah, it was really just hard, you know, growing up in the public eye and being a teenager and then all of a sudden just this fame happening. And then, you know, for people, just having the media would just be so mean sometimes and it would just be very hurtful. And I felt like people really didn't, know who I was and would judge me and there'd be misconceptions. And I don't, it was really hard to deal with, um, especially with the media constantly making up stories and, you know, no matter what I did, they would just always say, Oh, famous for being famous. And, um, now today that's actually like a whole new job that people are doing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that makes me happy at least that people can finally understand that concept. Um, cause I was just being myself and, um, I had no idea that it would turn into something, but I ended up creating a brand off of it. And I've just been always hard working. I've always, I think just from what I went through in life, I just had this drive that I never wanted to be controlled by anyone. And, um, even though it was, it was very just hard to deal with, you know, just like looking back on it now, just people were so, Cruel and so mean to me and I just felt just I don't know it was like Emotional abuse all the time from people Because I'm blonde and because I come from my last name people are like, oh, she's just stupid. She's an airhead She's spoiled and just I don't know just kind of judging me just based on that when they really didn't even know who I was it was just like this kind of like cartoon character that the media created which you know basically turned into what everyone would think of me and then also doing the simple life i think that obviously added on to it because i was playing a character and reality tv was so new the people just assumed because it's called reality tv that it's actually real and they had no idea that i was in on the joke the entire time and i know exactly what walmart is and basically everything I was doing was basically what I thought the public would want was that type of character. So, you know, after being spoken about like that and then doing that character, I kind of just got stuck in it for such a long time.
2: It's so interesting to hear you talk about, um, and I've heard you talk about this before and I've certainly lived through the coverage of it. It feels like a little bit of a vicious cycle where you were playing this character and then people were treating you like this character. And it's it seems like it was a, a feedback loop that was really hard to get out of. And I, I can't help but think of someone like a, Ki- a Kylie Jenner or people of her generation and her cohort who just came out and, and played a version of themselves. that wasn't totally a character. I don't know what she's like um, in, in person, but it seems like you sort of, you walked as a character so that Kylie Jenner could run as Kylie Jenner. And it just feels like we've maybe evolved past a point where people would feel like they needed to play a ditzy, rich, blonde in order to be successful. But tell me what you think. At the time when you were coming up, it felt necessary for you to be this blonde Hilton in order for you to gain notoriety. Is that right?
0: It was like almost like this stereotype that every time I would even, you know, be doing something, my agents, everyone I was working with, the producers on The Simple Life, they really wanted me to play up this character. And I've always just been a very naturally shy person. So I feel like I kind of used that character as almost like a mask to hide behind because I felt like, you know, if they're going to be saying all these mean things about this person, it's not really me. It's just a character that I'm playing. So it kind of really shielded my heart and my mind from it because every time I would read things I would be like that's not me like they're talking about you know the girl that I invented and I think a lot of people you know in the industry because I'm friends with a lot of people and influencers and just people who are you know in the public eye and so many of them are all playing a character as well because when we're all together in real life everyone has a different voice it's like usually a much lower octave (laughs) Uh, They're actually very smart, and, you know, I think back then also, like, during the early 2000s, like, it was, like, cute to be, like, dumb, like, as a girl, and, like, that's what people would like. Like, now I think it's just, it's so much sexier and attractive just to be smart and a brilliant woman, but back then it just, it wasn't how it was at all. So I think that a lot of girls would just play into that because that's what we were taught almost, that, you know, that's the cute way to be, but... It's really not.
2: It's funny because I I think uh, when you were coming up, it was the end-all be-all to be famous. And I think that obviously that will always exist, but it sort of is like, you wanna be famous and now. You wanna be famous and have a big brand. You wanna be famous and have a business that you can be proud of. And I think what happened to you was absolutely necessary to get to this point today, but it really feels like a shift has happened, and that it's okay to be successful and cool, and that's the thing that young girls should be and are striving for. And that feels like uh, a large part of that is a, a credit to the the groundwork that you laid there. You alluded to this earlier, and I want to ask you about it straight on. The conversation around the way that you were treated and and other women who came up when when you were coming up has been in the focus a lot there was the Britney Spears documentary which I know you watched and that really uh, focused people's attention and got people looking back at old interview clips with you and with Lindsay Lohan and with Britney Spears and I just want to hear your reaction to this reframing that we're all kind of doing about the way you guys were covered and treated and spoken to
0: Oh. Um, just after seeing the Britney documentary I, my heart was broken just like just watching all of that and it just brought up a lot of memories for myself and um, Just the way that we were treated was just so wrong, you know, we were just young girls Going out like any normal other person, but because we were in the public eye We were made to be like these villains and like what we were doing was so bad when we really were doing nothing like just going out like any other person our age would be going out and then just every day have to wake up to just the tabloids just inventing these crazy stories because that's what sells um they actually were writing about what really happened it was much less boring than they would have uh, liked to invent for themselves so I just think it's such an amazing time right now that people are just really looking back at that and seeing like it was just all these, like, really misogynistic views, and just... I don't... It's hard to really describe, because I went through it for so long, but it's just, like, this weight off my shoulders. Like, yes, no, I, I finally don't have to deal with any of that anymore, anymore. And then I also think maybe that, you know, I had to go through it so that the other girls today wouldn't have to go through the same thing. And I feel like maybe a lot of things in my life that have happened like that so that others won't have to deal with that because it's just, it's so much for someone and, you know, being in this industry and, you know, living in this town it's so hard and I just, I'm so just grateful that I have an amazing and supportive family because I don't know where I would be without that and a lot of people, you know, don't have that luxury of having a close, supportive family and um, my heart goes out to them because it's a very hard world to be in if you don't.
2: you talk about your family and as you talk about uh, things changing as a result of things you've experienced, it makes me think of probably the most difficult moments to watch in the documentary and to hear you talk about. And they involved um, the tape that was leaked about you. And I don't want to dwell on it because it's in the past and I'm sure it's not easy to talk about, but I have to bring it up because the way it was talked about at the time was, and, and you say this in your own words, that it was painted as if you did it on purpose, that this was something that you orchestrated and that you were the bad guy in the situation. And the, the facts of the situation could not have been more opposite. And, uh, there's a point where your sister Nikki talks in the documentary about, um, you guys lived in a hotel and her running down the hallway and literally turning over all the newspapers in the hallway so that you didn't have to see the coverage of it on the front page of the New York post. And, I have a sister and I'm very close to my family and just thinking about the toll on you and your family, it's heart-wrenching. And I wonder if you can just talk about the emotional toll on that and then what it must be like to see, unfortunately, other celebrities who have gone through something similar since then and, and how it's been a totally different experience because people have finally started to realize that like, you are the victims in this and you're not the perpetrators of it and it's not salacious gossip it is something that is incredibly invasive and life-altering.
0: Yeah that that will always be something that will hurt me for the rest of my life Um, it's always there in the back of my mind and you know when it happened it was just people were so mean about it to me and Just the way that I was spoken about just on all the nightly talk shows and all the media and just every day having to see things and with my family was just heartbreaking where I would be in tears every single day. I didn't want to leave my house, didn't want to show my face. I just felt like my life was over and I always had looked up to just these amazing women like Princess Diana and... I just felt like when he did that to me, took that all away from me and people would never look at me the same. Obviously, it was humiliating. That's a private experience between two people. You think that you love someone and you trust them and to have your trust betrayed like that and for the whole world to be watching and laughing and even more hurtful to me for people to think that I did that on purpose that just killed me, it just made me just, it was, it still gives me like post-traumatic stress disorder even like talking about it. And um, yeah, just that was the part that was, you know, obviously it, it was humiliating for people to see all of that, but the fact that people would think that I would want that or do that on purpose just really angers me. And then after i just noticed there was a lot of celebrities purposely doing it, which then it made it look even more like I did too. And it was almost like this blueprint to become famous. Um, and then since then there's been others which have been leaked by you know, their exes and um, that's a different story. But the way that I was made a villain back then because of something that someone did to me and now is just a completely different story. Like if that would have happened today, it would, it would not be, you know, what it was back then. So I'm, again, happy that things have changed and that people are realizing that it's just, the woman in the situation who is the victim should not be treated like that or spoken about like that.
2: I'm sorry that it hadn't changed by the time that you had to go through it and that it happened so publicly and and uh, that you are still feeling it and it's completely understandable. and it makes me think that it's no wonder now that you are doing things that are making you in control of your own narrative. You are producing your own television. You are involved in a documentary. You have a podcast that comes out and you are the author of your story now in a way that 20 years ago, you you were not the author. You were the subject of other people's stories that they were creating about you. And I'm, I'm wondering how it feels to be In the driver's seat of the narrative around you for the first time
0: oh empowering i'm so proud of the woman i am today and all that i've been through and just how strong i am and now being able to have that power to write my own narrative and my own story and show the truth
2: do you think you're going to make a return to reality tv
0: (laughs) i get calls all the time people are always offering different shows they want to bring back the simple life. They want me to do like so many different concepts, but I just always say no to everything because business has been something that's been my main focus. Um, but now that I have my new production deal with Warner brothers and I'll be able to control the show, it'll be mine. So I might think about getting into it again now that I'm going to be the boss and can be controlling it and not someone else.
2: It's definitely better to be in the driver's seat than in the passenger's seat. Yeah. The other other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, you're really dipping your toe into advocacy. And it's particularly around what you experienced as a teenager uh, in boarding school. And I wanted to hear a little bit about what led you to finally come out and share your experiences and the work that you've been doing since then.
0: Well, when I first started shooting the documentary, that was never supposed to be part of the story because what I went through there was just so just terrible and traumatic that I made a promise to myself when I left there that I would never talk about it, acknowledge it, or speak of it, or think of it ever again. But again, that was always in my memories, always in the back of my mind. I would have nightmares every single night and when we were shooting the documentary about seven months into it, one night I just was having very severe nightmares. And we were in Korea and um, I was just so emotionally and physically exhausted. And that's when I opened up to the director a little bit about it. And I didn't really say, but I said, you know, don't use this part of the footage. Like, I don't want this in the movie. I don't want people to know this. and she just kept pushing me and saying, Paris, this is so important. This is like, why, who you are, the way you are, this, this just makes so much sense to me now. I understand you so much more. Like you should let the world know the truth. And I, I, just keep, I just kept saying, no, I don't want anyone to know. And then she started doing all this research and showing me. And then I started doing so much research. And She said, Paris, if you use your voice, you could stop this from happening to other people because it's still happening today. There's you know, hundreds of thousands of children that are going through this all over the world in these types of schools, and they have no voice and nobody believes them. And if someone like you would come up and tell your story, you have no idea how powerful that will be for others who have no voice. And that's when I just made the decision that if I speak about this, maybe my nightmares will go away if I help their nightmares go away and that's when I just told her everything and then when the film came out I was freaking out because I was like oh my god people are gonna like know the truth about me and I was just so ashamed about it and then I look back and it's like I shouldn't be ashamed it's these the people who work at these places and who run these schools are the ones that should be ashamed and now it's This whole movement is happening and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of survivors coming forward. I've received so many letters and met up with them and I went back to Utah to the school and did a huge protest with hundreds of survivors from all around the world. And then that got the attention of the senator from Utah and then we've been in contact and I just went to the Senate and testified in front of all of the senators and we just passed the first law, um, so basically every all the abuse and everything that was happening to me as a teenager back then would now be illegal today. And now I'm about to take it to a federal level. So in all 50 states, this can never happen again. So it just it makes me just, again, so proud because I know that the little girl, me, being back there would be incredibly proud of the woman I am today, standing up for what's right and being a hero and, making a change so that other children don't have to experience that.
2: It's amazing what you did and uh, the the bravery took. And I think if you were to have told someone 20 years ago that Paris Hilton would be in a state legislator talking to a group of senators, they may not have believed you. But uh, that is just a testament to how far you have come and how far people have come in. Uh, talking about women and their treatment of women. And it's just amazing. I, I want to ask you where you, where you are going next. I know that there's the, the reality deal that may happen. I know you said you were recording more music. You have a wedding on the horizon. What are you most looking forward to?
0: I'm looking forward to all of that. I love just what I do and I love being creative and I love coming out with a new content for everyone. I'm having so much fun on my podcast, just speaking with all the guests that are coming on and just having really amazing conversations. And I'm also just diving into the NFT world and creating amazing art and about to have my first drop in a few weeks. So I'm just super excited about that. And Wait, that. tell me more about it. Well, I actually did my first NFT in March of 2020 before the whole NFT craze. Again, like me always being an innovator and pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> And it actually won the best NFT charity award, so I was super excited about that. And then now just to see it blowing up in the past couple months has been super exciting. And I have partnered up with Nifty Gateway and uh, Ashley, who is my producer there, um, introduced me to Blake Catherine, who is this brilliant digital artist and we have been collaborating together to make these just magical fantasies, gorgeous, um, futuristic pieces that really come from my heart and I cannot wait. We're having the drop on April 17th and it's super exciting.
2: I can't wait to see. This is just you dipping your toe into the NFT pond feels like the perfect 2021 moment.